0: Thank you for your uh, commitment to change. That's one of my core values. Committed to change because it's always happening. You might as well embrace it instead of fighting it because it's happening. Just look in the mirror. Look at some pictures change is happening man all you gotta do is look at yourself look at the world around us change is constantly going on and we need to embrace it and see what God is doing I don't mean to embrace everything that's going on in culture or society I'm saying embrace the reality that we are never going to be the same and God doesn't want us to be the same and he wants to change us and so when we walk with him and we allow him to lead our lives we should be transformed not just get old Okay, so let's god have control of everything that he is going to do and wants to do in your life And i'm telling you getting old is not a bad thing First thing is is that you get to know god better and you're more surrendered Second thing is you don't have as long to wait until you get to heaven all right, so <laughs> There's ways you can look at it that can discourage you, or you can be encouraged by it Some of you don't have long to go. You need to get your act together <laughs> We are not <laughs> I didn't point anyone out I'm just saying all right we are not a perfect church or perfect people and usually we prove that in some capacity uh, throughout our services of the day usually in all the services we prove that in some way and if the team hasn't done it already I make sure I make that known to you by what we do here we need Jesus in a big time way don't we I mean, it's like God has said, you're a mess, I want to fix you, come to me, and he offered this through Jesus Christ, and so it is the greatest thing that God has allowed us into this incredible relationship with him, and we want to grow in that, and so the reason we come together and we have been joined by one another in this place is to get on this journey with God of transformation and life impact that only is available by his offering of Jesus to me and you. That's why we gather together. So I hope that's why you're here today. And if it's not, we welcome you and want you to understand Jesus loves you. You need him. And you're here because God wants you to know that. Okay? So welcome. We're ready to go. We are here as a church to radiate the love of Christ, not just in this building, but in this community, wherever we are, we are to represent Christ and people are to see him in us. And the reason for that is that we might reach them both the lost and the saved, and restore them into this incredible relationship with God, which is a maturing process of faith that we walk in. And so part of that is is that we believe that the Bible teaches that it's not just to show up in church on Sunday. We're supposed to do that. The Bible teaches that we're supposed to be in church and gathering together with God's people and hearing the word of God and learning. But we're also supposed to go out of this church and live our faith in the world around us. And part of what we do as we're out there is something we would name and has been named by the church called spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines are my part in my walk with God. We're not saved by works, but we're called to do works. We're not saved by our actions. We're saved by grace in Jesus Christ, but we are called to have actions and they're to be holy and represent God in every way. And so when we invite you into these things, and we have created some uh, accountability questions, what we call them. I've been asking them of you for almost five years. Next month, it'll be five years. Uh, The first few that I have asked you that many years, the rest of them we added. Uh, The last two we added. I ask you these questions. Did you spend some time with God in his word this week, at least five days in his word this past week? Did you do that? Okay, so as we engage God's Word, God's truth gets in us, and faith comes by hearing, the Word of God tells us this, and hearing by the Word of God. And so when my faith rises up, it is increased because my understanding of God is increased by my knowledge of what He says to me in the Word of God. If you're struggling to hear God, begin spending time in the Word of God, and you will begin to hear Him more clearly. It's in His Word that we know who he is, the redemptive story, the plan he has for us, and the things we don't understand, the Holy Spirit has been given to give us understanding. The next question we ask is, did you share God's story with someone this week? Did you do that? I'm asking. I don't know if nobody did it or you're just slow to respond, but did you share God's story with someone this week? Okay, so the, the reason that we do that is because we're taught in scriptures that, the, the, that we're a light of the world. We're the salt of the earth. We're out there to share the gospel. We have to be Christ in the communities that God has called us to live and be missionaries, right? Okay, let's keep going. Uh, did you spend some time with God this week with no agenda? I'm not going to pause on all these. Obviously, we need some teaching on this because we're not real responsive in all these. So let's just keep going. Do you know what? I don't mean that disrespectfully. Let's see what God's saying. Do you know what the Holy Spirit is saying to you? Are you giving as God has asked you to give, your time, your talents, and your resources? Did you invite someone to church with you this week? All right, uh, some people would say, like, that's not biblical, and I said, yes, it is, because if you read the book of Acts, you'll see that when the Spirit of God fell, and they went out on the streets sharing the gospel, the, the, Luke is the one that wrote the book of Acts, and he says that people were being added to the church daily who were being saved, so we're out there sharing our faith, we're sharing God's stories with people, we let them know who He is, and then we invite them into God's family in the church, right, not just a salvation relationship with Him and be out there, but to be part of something. That's where it's at, okay? So we'll keep going. Have you been praying and working on our 2019 goal, which has been the goal since Jesus ascended into heaven in Matthew 28, 18 through 20? Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're doing that today. And teaching them all the things that I've commanded. So church, we're, we have boiled that down to say, hey, church, we need to engage what God has invited us into and in saying each one of us should try and reach one person and teach them what it means to follow Christ. Are we in doing that? Okay, so I mentioned spiritual disciplines. Um, So I'm doing a study on my own, and in my own life, I've been working on some things for many years now, but specifically I'm working on something. um, um, Anyway, just working on something. I'll leave it alone. And what Dave has come to understand is, is that as I've walked with God through these years, God has done this amazing thing, and he has done the complete work of Christ. So I want you to hear what I believe the Bible teaches, and I believe it is absolute truth that is in God's word, that Jesus Christ did everything for me at Calvary, that when I am forgiven of my sins and God comes into my heart and life, And the Holy Spirit comes to reside within the heart of the believer that I have all of God within me in that very moment. There's not more of God that I'm going to get or that I'm going to gain throughout my life. You know, like, I mean, he's there. So what happens is, as Dave walks with God, Dave gives more of Dave to God. So it seems that there's more God, but the reason there is more God is because there's less Dave make sense so like see I'm, I'm maturing in my faith and god's changing me and in that change process the things that are less desirable about me that god the holy spirit reveals to me like yeah that needs to go i'm not even talking about sin i'm talking about me he's like that needs to change and you need to get rid of that and so then i surrender that Trusting him that he is calling me into this relationship with him and that I act in obedience that change in my life So that's what i'm talking about in the process of change and the maturing of my faith Therefore I come back to that word called spiritual disciplines Now when the church talks about spiritual disciplines or you read about them and maybe you have You will find that the spiritual disciplines that i'm referencing are scripture-based They are disciplines that are seen in and through the life of Jesus. I'm not talking about things the church has put upon us so that we can be holy, because that doesn't happen. But what I look at is Jesus is our model, right? He said, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, teaching them what I have commanded you, right? So we're supposed to model what Jesus taught and lived. And so these spiritual disciplines that I reference... Were, were things that Jesus practiced in his own life as you read through the Gospels, all right? So just so you understand that. Um, the church is a mess. just want you to know that. Seminaries, colleges that are Christian universities, they're a mess. We need a move of God. We need a move of God, and it will not happen until the people of God get serious about who God is in their life. All right, we are, I'm I'm fed up with institutions that think that we know better than God's word. And that we are trying to make everybody comfortable in life they've chosen to live. That is not biblical. God has called us from our life of sin into a life with Him. And then we need to love people in that process, but we need to embrace that truth, church. I'm not, I don't want to be offensive to you, but the gospel's an offensive truth. And so when you get offended, if it's offensive because of the, the the Word of God, then so be it. I love you, and God loves you, and He's offended me too. But He offends us in love, so that I might be different because I'm not okay the way I am. If I was okay the way I was, Jesus would have never died. God would have never called me into this relationship with Him. If we were all okay the way we are, we don't need a Savior. We don't need God. We need Him. We're, we're jacked up. And and we need Him to fix us. And not just the parts we want Him to fix. God wants to fix the whole of us because we are called, church, to be christ to this world you want to talk about a high calling you've got it i've got it not because i'm a pastor because god has said i want you jesus taught us this to be a light out there the salt of the earth i want you to be the seasoning of life when you show up i want people to know that i'm real come on so you have a busy week this week I'm going to ask that again. Did you guys have a busy week this week? The coffee shop is always open for service, and there's coffee right there if you're not awake yet. Maybe you had too busy of a week, or you have other things going on. But I'm just saying, like, life is pretty busy, isn't it? Uh, We're on the run most of the time, and it seems we really have enough time to do what needs to be done. I'm amazed at how many times they go to bed at night thinking, like, you know, like, uh, there was so much going on, and I had so many things to do, and I feel like I didn't even get anything done. I mean, I'm like baffled by that a lot of times. And um, maybe some of you that are better list makers, you could say, yeah, no wonder you're messed up. But I'm just saying, like, that happens because life is busy. I have lists too. Um, <laughs> never mind. Uh, this is. <laughs> this is <laughs> focus. Let's go. This is usually what happens when I speak with people about the spiritual disciplines and where they are in their walk with God. So I've been blessed by God to not only pastor you guys, but um, to coach and mentor pastors and and leaders of the church and different things. And I love it. I love to to speak with and work with those that want to do for God, right? So I'm not just talking about pastors. I'm talking about people that know that they are called by God to do ministry, which we all are. And so we have... I'll just leave it alone and just tell you that I have worked with people throughout many years and then working with some now. In a one-on-one basis, when I talk with someone that feels called to do something specific for God in the church, um, I ask them, where are you at in your walk with God? Can you explain to me where you feel like how strong is your faith? If I said uh, between one and 10, where would you rate your relationship with God right now? Oh, I'd say it's an eight. You know, like I'm just giving you an example say it's an eight, you know, I love God, I'm, I want to do what he wants, this is where I am, and uh, that's that's awesome, so now let's talk a little further, and uh, can you like tell me about your time in God's word, how much, not, I'm not talking about minutes and seconds, I'm saying um, through the week, how often do you practice spending time in God's word with him, and all of a sudden, it's like, well, you know, I I do pretty regularly and I do it, you know, honestly, I'm really busy and I struggle to make that time but, you know, I I do better now than I used to and and things start to come out like this and so my follow up question is, is, uh, um, what's your prayer life look like? Oh, I pray all the time. That's everybody's usual response. I pray all the time. You know, like I need God. So, Usually I'm asking to help me with what's next on my agenda. Bless this food, be with my family. At night I say, God, forgive me. So we spend most of our day in prayer. So now when I look at that as the two primary spiritual disciplines of our life, God's word speaking into our life and spending time with him in a relationship of prayer, we have people that see themselves as spiritual, but yet their daily practices or life habits don't equal the way they see themselves in their relationship with God. And so it's like, wait a minute, if I think I'm an eight, but my life is a three, and I'm not saying that's true, just hear me through for just a make-believe scenario, I'm really a three, I'm not an eight. I don't care how I feel when I'm doing what God wants me to do, or how I feel in church, or how I feel in certain situations, It's like, where's my relationship with God? My relationship with God is not in these emotional moments. It's in my daily life. And so if my daily life is a three because I don't really have time for God, he doesn't fit into my agenda or my daily life, then God's really not a priority in my life at all. He's just part of my life. God is not okay with that. God never said, please let me be part of your life. He said, I, the Lord your God, am God alone. And I have to be first in your life. God said that to us. He says, I have to be first. I'm not okay with second. I'm not okay with part. I am. He's God. You know what's crazy? Is if we got an invitation from someone that is special to us, A celebrity, a sports person, um, whatever. I don't care what it is to you. We would be so proud of that and we would want everybody to know and we would go there and we would make sure we got tons of pictures to put on Facebook and Instagram and everything else to let the world know like, yeah, I met this person and the creator of the universe has said, come and be with me. I want to spend time with you. I want to have a relationship with you. And we have so many excuses as to why it doesn't work. And it's just crazy, church, because here's the thing is that I'm I'm not saying I'm not right here with you, because I'm telling you I'm right here with you. We feel like we're busier than ever and that we're more busy than anyone else has ever been in all the history of humanity. But I just want you to know they used to have to carry their water into their dwelling places They had to go kill what they were going to eat and fix it They had to go Garden and pick it and make it all happen And they were busy too They didn't have a microwave Seriously, I mean we think we're busy And everything that we have created as human beings to help us in our life Has actually made us more time conscious and more consumed than ever Everywhere you go, see, I have a phone. It's over there on the seat. I've learned to set it down during church, but it's constantly calling to me and demanding of my time. People can always contact us. We have business. We have, so I'm like, oh, I'm so busy, and I got all this stuff. But before I had a cell phone, before they made those, and I'm that old already, um, I had a pager, and before a pager, I had nothing, and I was busy. I remember when I was younger and my dad was going to retire and my father was a bivocational pastor Meaning he pastored a church and he worked a secular job at the same time And I thought, you know, my dad's gonna have so much time He's not gonna know what to do with himself and I never saw him And it seemed like when I called his house, he was never home And it was like his life was never less busy When he retired than it was when he was working And so all of a sudden he had this extra 40 to 50 hours 60 hours a week but yet, it wasn't like you saw that. And so I look and I think, you know what it is, is that the enemy has driven us to think that we have to, so that we can't. We have to do so much so we can't spend time with God. Do you know when the enemy is scared to death for us to spend time with God? He's scared to death of that. He knows the power that's available to us and what God can do when we allow God to do it. See, we have more power and authority than anything on the planet or in the spirit world when we're in one with God. And so for us to be that way scares Him. And so He demands of us our time and He chases us so that we can get confused and we have all these excuses as to why I can't be with God. Let me read you some scriptures. or indeed only one, Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. We have probably heard this story before. We've read these scriptures and laughed and probably said something along the lines like, yes, I'm a Martha. But let me go back to this for just a moment and, and see a couple of things that are really important for you and I in this little story that we see that Jesus gives us a scenario. There's a lot of people here As Jesus comes in, if you read the Gospels, you know that people were thronging him constantly and there was much confusion around his life. People were demanding of him. They wanted something everywhere he went. He comes into this place and there were things that needed to be done. This is what the Word of God says in this story. Don't miss this. Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. You hear all that? There's a lot going on. A lot needed to be done and there was preparations that had to happen so all that was legitimate it was real just like the stuff in our life look i can i can line it up for you and i can tell you all the stuff i have to do and why it's important that i do it and what needs to be done and why i have to make that happen it's important stuff and it has to happen so martha was had a legitimate excuse she had a real reason And she had all that going on for her. And if Jesus was coming to our house, I guarantee you, we'd be busy too. Getting stuff ready, man. I'm just going to tell you this. The time alone with God seems to be the easiest thing for us to push off till later. Here's Mary sitting at Jesus' feet, listening. Did you hear that? All kinds of stuff to do. The clamor of everything going on. The needs of the people were real. People needed to eat. People needed it to be tended to and taken care of. But here's Mary sitting at his feet, listening, not talking, not calling others, sitting, listening. Okay, there's this huge battle for our time that's going on. There's the demands of everything in life that call us. I put on my calendar that I'm going to go and sit at the feet of Jesus. And it's the biggest battle in my life to actually get to his feet and sit and listen. And when I finally get there and I'm sitting at his feet, usually I'm talking, I'm not listening. Because you see, I have a to do list for God that is all legitimate. It's all about his kingdom, it's all about you all, it's about my family. So, I have all this stuff that is real, that's tangible, that has every reason to be brought up to keep me busy with God. And this is what Jesus said (laughs) Mary has chosen what is better. Those are some powerful words. She's prioritized, she has seen that I'm the one of value that what I want to do is more important than anything else that needs to be done. Mary has chosen what is better. We have choices to make. See, this relationship with God is an amazing gift that He's given to us, but I still have choices to make in that relationship. And the choices that I make have great consequence in my relationship and what I do for the kingdom. And we're so busy This is how busy we are. That researchers who research the church um, have begun to do things different. I mentioned this a few weeks ago. I'm doing my own research, and that's part of why I'm looking at all this, and it's like the craziest thing, that now uh, researchers, when they're doing a test of Christians in the church, consider regular attendance two times a month at church as now a regular attender. And so, um, I don't mean that I'm not taking attendance. Please hear what I'm saying. It's that the Christian of today in our culture doesn't even have Sunday morning available to God anymore. (laughs) I mean, it's like, come on, two hours in a week? And we can't even make that a priority? Not that I'm saying, I understand people work, but Here's the thing. Please hear me right. We're not like showing up at church to get bonus points, and I'm not trying to get everybody to feel guilty to come to church. I want us to see the reality of where the church is, where I am, and my walk with God, and begin to assess where I really stand in this thing because God says I have to be your number one priority. I have to be first in your life. And I'm saying, God, we are like pushing you further down the list all the time. And as I ignore my time with God, Bible reading, prayers, spending that time with him because I justify that I, I will and that I do because when I'm going through my day, I'm always listening and praying while I do. I therefore justify the fact that, well, you know, I may not get to spend some time alone with no agenda with him, but I got all this stuff and I am listening. Last week I read to you in the scriptures... Where Jesus talked to us about taking up our cross and follow him I'm going to read a different passage that has the same message that christ spoke again in a different context and this is what he says Anyone who loves their father and more mother more than me is not worthy of me Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me Whoever finds their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for my sake will find it those are pretty powerful words right there. And Jesus is not teaching you to neglect your family. That's not at all what he's saying. He's saying, if I'm not first in your life, you have your priorities messed up. And one of the things that takes us away from the priority of God first in our life is our family. And we use them as an excuse all the time as to why. And Jesus directly addresses this issue in our life because what we're saying is, God, my family's more important than you are. Jesus is telling us this. He's saying, like, I have to be first. And when I'm first, I can actually love my family the way I'm supposed to, and I can serve them the way God intends. Because if I don't, and God is not first in my life, I'm doing it Dave's way, and that's jacked up. So if I'm spending that time with God, I will be a better husband. I'll be a better father. I'll be a better grandfather. I'll be a better Christian when I put God first but I have all kinds of excuses as to why I can't or I don't. Now I look at the life of Jesus and I see that he is constantly busy. When you read the Gospels, you will see as soon as he steps on the scene in ministry, he's thronged. People constantly wanting something from him, demanding his time, pushing against him. At times, entire cities are going out to mob him. It's crazy. So he's stopping, having compassion, teaching, healing, uh, casting out demons. And so he's constantly being called upon to give. You ever have that feeling like everybody wants something? And, And this is Jesus' normal life. I want you to hear me. This is his normal life. I want to read to you in Luke 5. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and be healed of their sicknesses. We choose this scenario to speak to you to say, church, like the crowds that were coming and they were demanding something were all about what they needed fixed in their life. And Jesus said to this guy, and he said this over and over to people, like, just don't go tell everybody this go and do the right thing, you know, live your life right, do what you're supposed to do, and and just go. But everybody talked about how their immediate life changed and what was better about what was going on and that Jesus could do that for them, them. And so the crowds began to come, and they came for the personal touch that he could fix in their life. Fix me now, fix my family, fix this. That's what the crowds were coming for, constantly. And Jesus' compassion touched them. As you look at that scenario we're talking about, this continues over and over in the Gospels. Everything that Jesus does is exactly like this, and you will find him rarely having moments by himself, except for this. In the middle of this story right here, like right there at the conclusion, I should say, of this scenario, there's this statement that is made that seems out of place. And it's verse 16 that I did not read to you. And what follows this scenario that says, so that the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses, this is what follows that. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. In the chaotic life that he had, it says that he often withdrew to lonely places to be with the Father. Jesus, we're talking about. (laughs) We're not talking about the normal prayers of thank God for the food or God save my family or be with our church and give us a great day and help me. and all. No, he's talking about a time where he removes himself from everything in life to be with the Father. Often. Often. Time alone. On our accountability questions, I ask you this question. Have you spent some time alone with God with no agenda? Okay, now what we're talking about right here is going to be alone with God so that we live God's agenda. And what often happens is is that we're so busy with our God to-do list that we rarely take time to listen to God's agenda. Instead, we're asking God to fulfill His agenda through us, which is my agenda. And so I look at this and I'm like, God, you know, the purpose of Jesus needing to come and be with you is so that the will of the Father could be lived among the people. And the only way that Jesus did this was spending that time alone with God. And He is our Savior, and He is God, and He needed it. Why do I not need it? Come on, man, think about it. Remember what Jesus said about Mary and what He said to Martha? Mary has chosen what is better. She's made the right choice. I can be doing great work in the eyes of people. I can be doing servant work but if I'm not spending time at the feet of Jesus, it's not the best. There are always things to do. But shouldn't time with God? Time in his word take a priority over everything else? Just saying, church. Mark one thirty two, check this out. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick, the demon-possessed, the whole town gathered at the door. Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let them speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. That withdrawing from, the out of the normal, the stepping away, Jesus did it. And here's what we hear. I'm not a morning person. (laughs) Uh, I pray between jobs. I will later. God knows my heart anyway. And since he already knows all things and he knows what I need and he knows I want to do it, I mean, he's just going to make it happen. Are you listening, church? Because, see, we have all kinds of reason and excuse in the world as to why we don't have time or can't take the time to just be with and the whole time god is saying come and be with me so that i can be in you so that when you're in the world in the mass of confusion and everyone's demanding something from you i'm seen this is god talking i want to be there i want to be working through you And we're saying, God, come on. you got to do something because I can't handle this anymore. And God's saying, come over here. Be with me. We're going to have to fight for this. Church, it's not easy. I'm telling you right now, if you put this on your schedule, it'll be one of the hardest things you keep in all that you do in the entire month, the entire week, the entire day, whatever it is. I'm telling you. There will be all kinds of distractions There will be fights with you to try and stop you from doing that. Again, I will tell you, it's because God is calling us into this encounter with Him and the enemy is going to try everything he can to stop it because he knows that when we are alone with God, we receive the power of God so that we can live and be. And the church is not living and being because we're not being with God. We're doing things for God. We're actively involved. We're accomplishing stuff. We're not being with. Here's what the church has done over the past several decades. The church has done an amazing job of understanding the Great Commission saying, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And we have been churches that sent missionaries around the world. The United States was the number one sending missionary uh, country in the world for many, many decades. As we went out to carry the good news of the gospel to foreign lands. And the church at home was giving financially to make this happen. And we were wanting them to go out there and change the world. And the whole while that we focused on this, we lost our own nation. Because we did not see that God was calling us to be missionaries to a people that speak the same language we do. That live in the same culture that we do. And that we were to live as missionaries in this land in which we live. And it was a lot easier for us to hear stories and send money and send people than to actually go home and live that life among our neighbors. And as a process and as a reason for this, the church in, of, of the United States of America has lost its impact to the point that we are the fifth largest nation in the world that is now receiving missionaries. You hear me, church? Receiving missionaries. The nation's that we sent people to reach are coming back to reach us because we've lost what it's all about. And I look at that scenario and I'm like, God, it's got to change. And the way it's going to change is when God's people see the reality of their need of God in their own life. For it is not the culture that is called to find God, It is the church that is called to know God and reveal God to the culture. We reveal that God to that culture because we know that God and that God lives in us. Love your neighbor as yourself is what Jesus told us was one of the greatest commandments. And yet we have not loved our neighbors enough to live the faith and share the faith and be the faith right where we live I am I want you to know I'm not I'm seeing this in love and I'm like God please we need a move of God man (laughs) the power of God is available to us church there is no power in the spirit world or the physical world greater than our God and We possess that power within us when we have God within us. But we do not understand the power that is available to us because we don't spend the time with the God who is so that we can. If Jesus needed this time with God, why do we think we don't? How is it that we can make excuses for not being with him and justify the fact that it's okay? It's like we're banking on his mercy and grace so much that we ignore him. I want you to know that I know the woman that God has given to me to be married to for these 36 years. And if when I'm with her, I'm glazed over and nodding my head or giving sounds, she knows. (laughs) And it's not okay. And so what she does right then is, what did I just say to you? And in that moment, we're going for that reflective bank in your mind that says the last four words because, thank God, there's this thing that catches those. It's to save all of us men's lives, really, it is. (laughs) So we say the last four words she said to us. Sorry, guys, to reveal this out here in public, but we say those last four, four words trying to justify that we're listening. But the truth is, we're not. We are hearing, we are not listening. And therefore, when she sees that look on my face that gives me away every time and she calls me out on it, I'm like, God, I do this to you. I mean, I do it in church. Some of you are already there. I can't even see your face, but I know you're there. You're not even with us. We go over to spend time in the scriptures and we're looking at words and we're reading through and we do our five minutes. But we have no idea what God said because we're not hearing we go into our prayer times and we go through our lists and we're telling god all these things and we're like check i did that i'm practicing my spiritual disciplines i am doing but i'm not listening and so so many of us in our christian life are simply glazed over and we're just like "Uh uh-huh uh-huh and god's like hey Something happens in my life. And it's just what God was. I cannot tell you how many times people talk to me about something that happened in the week that we had just preached about on Sunday. And they don't even remember that that's exactly what God was talking about on Sunday. And they're struggling through the week. God's talking. We're listening, but we're not hearing. And Mary has chosen what is better. she's sitting at the feet of Jesus listening. <laughs> so here's the thing. man, I'm running out of time again, so I'll hurry with this. but through um, universities and uh, Christian universities and seminaries teaching those called to be leaders in the church uh, have a growing fascination. please hear me through. Don't check out at any point here. just hear me. Um, they are having this growing fascination with monasteries. And what is happening is is that um, like professors are taking their cohorts or classes and saying, um, you're required to go to this monastery for this field trip for three to five days, whatever the setting is, where you have to go into the monastery and you can't talk and you can only listen and be for that period of time. And they're writing about their experiences. Okay. So what happens is people hear from God. (laughs) They do. They hear from God. Okay? So all of a sudden, they sense God's presence. They hear him like they never have before. And so this is what's taking place right now, and I want you to hear me. They're so excited. They think that others need to go to the monastery so they can hear from God. And pretty soon we're starting to think I have to be in this place to hear from and the truth of the matter is it's the first time that we've shut up long enough and listened so that we know God's talking. It has nothing to do with the monastery. God is not in a monastery. Please hear that correctly. God is everywhere. And God is trying to talk to us but we rarely listen. And we're so busy talking that we don't give Him a chance. So when people have to actually shut up and not talk and not do for three to five days it's like God's real (laughs) God's talking oh my goodness everybody needs to go down there it's like hello no you don't and this is what happens We're, we're just crazy people man we really are places become holy to us please hear this really important places become holy to us because it's where we hear God all right that's good but it's not all good because then what we think is we need to be somewhere to hear we need to be someplace to experience we need to be someplace to feel and so then we begin hear me now see what we do then is we place God in that place as if he's absent here and God is all places and God is always talking and so where we are called to come together as a church on Sunday where we can hear God and listen it's important should be a special place but I want you to know this building is not holy in itself God is holy and here's the thing that I want to share with you in Scripture that it's amazing. And i got two accounts that I'm not going to get to read to you, so I'm going to reference them. I don't have enough time. In Genesis 28, Jacob is running. Jacob is traveling back, and he's all alone. And he comes to this place in the wilderness, and it's night, so he lays down, gets a rock. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, I read that, and I laugh at it, but he got a rock for a pillow. Lays down, goes to sleep, has a dream, which is a vision, And he sees a ladder in heaven and angels coming down and up. And God speaks to him. He wakes up in the morning and he's like, whoa. This is the very doorway to heaven and I didn't even know it. And he named the place Bethel, which means the house of God. Now I look at that scenario and I'm like, the dude was clueless that God was there. God was there. He wakes up and says, whoa, this is an amazing place. I'm going to name it God's house. It was God's house because he was there and God was speaking and he was alone and God had a chance to talk. It wasn't that that was a holy place, but it was a place where God met him. As you go into the book of Exodus and you follow the journey of the promise that God made again there with Jacob about what he would do, we find Moses. Moses out there in the wilderness, you all know the story, sees the bush on fire, goes over to the bush to see it, and a voice speaks to him, Moses. And Moses is like, whoa, hey, stop right where you are. Moses, take off your sandals, for the place you stand is holy ground. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know that it wasn't that it was holy ground, it was desert dirt, but it was holy because God was there. So when God spoke to Moses and gave him the message, Moses didn't build a little church there he didn't mark that spot to go and visit Moses received from God what God had to say and the holiness of God was there and therefore the holiness of God went with him please hear that man because you see what is holy is where God is and nothing is holy without God's presence And so it is actually the presence of God that makes things holy, which is exactly what he says about me and you. Be holy. For I, the Lord your God, am holy. Where is God? If he is within me, then therefore I am holy. Therefore the presence of God is with me. Therefore I need to spend time with him. I need to listen. I must sit at his feet. I must hear what he has to say because what God wants to do is be with me in the world. And if Jesus needed that time alone with the Father, I desperately need that time alone with the Father. So we need to make meeting with God a regular part of our life. That includes the reading of Scripture, that includes not only our regular prayers through the day, but a time where I remove myself from the norm and be with. When I do this, I fight three battles. I want you to know this. I fight three real battles to do this. First, actually getting there. Everything happens to stop me. The second one is my mind. Oh my goodness, man. It's so easy for Dave to glaze over. I don't mean that disrespectfully to you, but I'm just telling you that so many times there's so many things going on up in my head, conversations here, stuff to do there, all this, I um, I probably need help, yes, I'm just confessing to you right now, what's going on in here is there's this thing going on, so I've learned, like, the best thing for me to do is to have a piece of paper and a pen there, because I don't want to use my phone because of where I am, because that'll distract me, I have used it, and it distracts me, <laughs> So I need to write down whatever that random thought is that I don't have on my list that I forgot about so that I can dismiss it and stay with. And here's the third one that I struggle with. The distraction to get there. The distraction of my mind. And the third one is this. Listen. (laughs) I want to talk. You guys would never believe that probably. (laughs) I want to talk with God. I want to ask Him questions. If I got one-on-one time with Him, it's like, come on, I, I need a revelation. I want to talk about this. Give me the answer. Just be with. When I take my wife out, or when we go and do something, sometimes we don't go places in public just because we need time to be with. So like, I want some isolation with God. God's saying, be with me. Just look in my eyes. Just be with. There's no more important time to get to know God than that moment. It is when you get to know who you truly is, is when you're alone with him. So, church, it's time. Would you stand with me? If you ever see Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, have you done that? <laughs> God tells us he has to be first in our life. So I'm going to ask you right now, in this moment, does your life say God is your number one priority? Does your life say that? As we assess ourselves and we look at our life, we're like, well, I got to do this. I got, Oh, and That's not what I'm asking. We do all have things to do. Is God my number one priority? So what do we need to do to make time along with God a priority on our schedule? What do we need to do? Because if we don't schedule that and do something, it'll never happen. I'm just telling you right now. We can say we'll do it. It'll never happen. And so, church, I want to invite you to make that engagement with God today. Make an appointment with Him. Guard it with your life and be with. Amen? Amen. The altar is always open if you want to spend some time with Him, but you are dismissed. God bless you and thanks for being in this house. We love you. Amen. Thank you.